just from a general firefighting standpoint, newer homes and homes that have been remodeled, typically, you know, you have a more open concept, you have fewer doors, which means that you have fewer opportunities to be able to isolate an area. Angeles. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today on another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. Once upon a time, there was VES. Then, thanks to the FDNY, came VEIS, Vent, Enter, Isolate, Search. Problem is, while the concept is still sound, it's becoming harder to isolate rooms. The so-called open floor plan is eliminating the walls and doors that used to compartmentalize buildings. It's also making searches tougher because following the walls won't let you reach very far into the room. My guest today has some thoughts on the merits and some of the limitations of BEIS. Eric Dryman is the Division Chief of Training at the Indianapolis Fire Department. He's been a firefighter for 25 years, and he's been a presenter at most of the well-known fire conferences around the country. And Eric Dryman joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hello, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so first there was VES, or Vent Enter Search. Mm-hmm. Then came VEIS, which stands for Vent Enter Isolate Search. How did that change and why? Well, I think a lot of the emphasis for the change came from the fire research studies that were done you know, over the last 10 to 15 years up, up to the present time. At some point in, in the discussions, the I, the I was not my, my personal idea, but my understanding is the I was, was included uh, or added to the, the VES to emphasize the importance of the flow path and minimizing or stopping the flow path to the best of uh, the firefighter's ability. But for me personally, you know, the I has always been been part of it, uh, whether we whether we verbalized it in the abbreviation or not. Um, you know, that's one of the first things we we talk about when we discuss VES or VEIS with uh, firefighters is, is the importance of controlling that door and and um, giving yourself the best opportunity and, and your any potential fire victims their best opportunity at survival. I get the idea that VEIS may be more important these days than when it was developed. Is that true? I think maybe from a knowledge standpoint, just the fact that people are more cognizant of flow path now than they maybe were in the past. So from a technical standpoint, as far as understanding the process and why why the isolation component is so important, I I think that it, it's not inappropriate to, to emphasize it, possibly even overemphasize it. But, you know, ever since uh, VES was, was first identified or defined, controlling the door of the room that you're in 
has always been very important without without that door control you know you're going to limit your ability to do, to do your job and you're going to potentially cause more harm to a victim if you can't get that door shut now i've been watching a lot of home makeover shows with my wife lately and everyone seems to want open concept floor plans. Yes. So that means they're not just for new construction. Does that present a bigger hazard when you enter the building? Well, it can from a, just from a general firefighting standpoint, simply because newer homes and homes that have been remodeled, typically, as you mentioned, you know, you have a more open concept. You have fewer doors, which means that you have fewer opportunities to be able to isolate an area. I know just from personal experience, the first first home I owned was built back in the 1930s, and every room had a door. And there were lots of rooms, I bet. Yeah, and nowadays, you know, my the home I have currently outside of the, uh, the bathrooms and the bedrooms, there's, and the door going out to my garage, there, there are no doors. So it certainly provides the greater opportunity for smoke spread and fire spread than than we would have potentially experienced in years past with homes that had more doors and, and individual rooms on them. So it must make it a little tougher to establish what sort of a floor plan the building has. I mean, if you're going to talk about a house built, let's say in the 1930s, mm-hmm. but then they've had the remodeling that we're talking about, and now it's essentially an open floor plan. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't know that until you got inside unless you had a chance to inspect it. And who knows how many of these buildings you're actually going to get a look at before there's a fire. Yes, it, it can be challenging. The The one nice thing, at least my personal philosophy and, and every organization is going to be a little different. But I'm a big advocate for getting out in in your district. And, you know, we we everybody realizes or knows that we make far more medical runs than we do fire runs in the modern fire service. At least most agencies do. So I always looked at those medical runs or those alarm runs, whatever they were, any type of incident where I was going into a, someone's home or an apartment building or, you know, what, whatever the case might be that wasn't a fire related incident. I always tried to take a moment to just kind of get an idea for how the, the building was laid out how the rooms were laid out, you know, how something looks from the outside. A lot of times you can tell by the size of a window or the location of a window or where a door is, things like that, how the place is laid out. But you don't always know, you know, if a place has been remodeled or if it's a newer subdivision or newer home in a subdivision, you know, the floor layouts can be a little different. So I always try and advocate and not only for myself, but crews that I've been a part of or when I teach talking about, taking those opportunities, those runs that you're on where you're not already in a firefighting situation and use those to your advantage to get a better idea of, of how homes in a neighborhood or, or a general area are kind of laid out. All right. Let's talk flow path for a minute. Okay. That's become a buzzword or a buzz term. Mm-hmm. But firefighters have always ventilated buildings. Mm-hmm. Lately, there's been a growing push to stop ventilating roofs. Mm -hmm. Mostly it's for safety, but I noticed some European guys don't get why we do it at all. Mm -hmm. 
How does opening up the roof affect the flow path? Well, by opening up the roof, you're you're essentially creating a flow path. You're creating a, a flow path that that wasn't originally there as part of the structure itself. So it's very important that we always have always tried to coordinate fire attack between engine companies and or engine functions and truck functions. But what we've come to to find or what the researchers have come to identify is that by creating that additional flow path in the form of, of opening up a roof, or even if you're doing it in the, in the case of horizontal ventilation, where you take a window or you open a, say a rear door um, to a, to a structure. Um, if you don't have a hose line in place and either flowing water or ready to flow water, when you do that, then over time, the, the fire is just going to, uh, continue to grow and actually accelerate. It's no different. And I, you know, it's people are pretty familiar with the concept of a fireplace. And if we close the damper on the fireplace and don't allow the smoke to exit through the chimney and up out of the house, then, um, you know, and the, the, the smoke that's being produced by the fire will eventually choke that fire in the uh, in the firebox out, but if we open up the uh, damper and allow the the smoke to escape and and use the the heat the heat to carry it up and out, then then we know the fire is going to take off and continue to grow until it runs out of fuel. And it's basically the same concept uh, when we talk about opening up uh, the roof on a on a residence or any kind of structure to perform vertical ventilation. So having that hose line right there and ready to start flowing or waiting until, you know, maybe you cut your hole, but you wait until you, you start to hear water flowing or you start to see, you know, the hose line bouncing back and forth in the, in the yard because the, the bales being opened and closed, things like that, uh, before you make that final uh, cut removal and pop that uh, top on the house to get the, to get the vent hole opened up. Now, to do this right takes some planning. Mm-hmm. The truckies can't just run in and start opening up the structure as much as they might want to. Right. So at the risk of having you indict your own people, have you ever noticed that that's happened on occasion, that that some guys start opening up ventilation holes before it's been planned out well? Well, I can tell you that I've witnessed, it wasn't really ventilation, but I can tell you that... um, there was one, and this kind of drove home the point of the whole concept of door control and um, the the door to, you know, the front doors generally where the first line is going to go make, make entry into a home uh, in particular. But, you know, we need to be thinking about that front door or that door in general. If, we're, if we open the door to advance that hand line or we open a door to enter to, to perform a search, whatever we're doing. Once we open that door, we've created a ventilation opening that's larger than our standard uh, four foot by four foot hole in the roof that we're all taught in proby school that, you know, four by four is the, the general standard for a residential vertical vent hole. But a door itself is, you know, four by four, 16 square feet. A door is three feet by six feet normally, or roughly that. So you're looking at an 18 square foot opening compared to a 16 square foot opening on the roof. So in the particular instance that I'm referring to, we had a fire where there was a, uh, it was reported to be in a uh, daycare. It was a home being used as a daycare. So 
Uh, we were the second truck on the scene. So the, the way we operate is the first ladder truck on the scene is assigned uh, the role of search and rescue. And the second truck that's on the scene is assigned primary responsibilities, ventilation. So when the first truck company arrived on scene, they opened the front door, forced the front door open and made entry to begin a search. And that door was hanging wide open at that point. Well, the engine crew had an issue with getting water to the their attack line. So there was a delay in the engine crew making their initial advance. And there was enough of a delay that that open door created that ventilation opening, even though it wasn't a, you know, truck guy taking a window out it accomplished the same purpose by creating the flow path and actually drove those initial the initial crew that was crawling in to do their search there was enough of a delay in the water that the fire actually got behind the search team and started to cook them so they had to they had to actually exit the residence with some haste i guess you could say they came rolling out the front door and they were pretty steamy. So I can't personally think of an instance where somebody ventilated inappropriately and it created an issue, but certainly that having that door being open and the delay in the, in the uh, application of water certainly created the same circumstances if somebody would have gone around and broke out a bunch of windows when there wasn't water yet. So Well, let's look at that one in particular a little more closely. It sounds like it was not a judgment mistake, but a coordination failure, let's say. Yes, yeah. How, how, how do you assess how that could have been prevented or what they should have done? Well, it was simply a an issue with, if my memory serves me correctly, with the truck not going into pump gear. Um, so it, it ultimately was, I think the mechanical issue, uh, more than anything, you know, I, I'm not a big proponent. I know some organizations will say, well, um, you know, you have leave somebody at the door for door control and you, you manage that door and, and keep it closed as much as possible. But outside of doing something like that, which again, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sold on that. I'm not. I'm going in to search someplace. The last thing I want you to do is shut the door that I'm going to be using to potentially exit either for my own safety or to get a victim out and then have that door, you know, be closed. So, but outside of having that door closed or the hose line being charged faster, I don't know what, what could have been done to, to uh, help to prevent that. Okay. So research says flashovers are happening a lot faster than they used to. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that and how much faster? Well, I think it, a lot of that depends, is, is going to be uh, situationally dependent, depending, you know, how, how much fresh air the fire can get, what the fuel load is. But in general, fires just burn faster because of the nature of uh, the makeup of, of our furnishings. A significant percentage, if not Pretty much everything nowadays has is basically uh, petroleum based, and that that is the one of the main factors that attri- that contributes to the rapid fire spread. Right, because that stuff burns hotter and faster. Correct. Yes. So it seems to me like this trend's been growing since the seventies. Has mm-hmm. has it, it accelerated? Yeah, I think so. Just simply because things, you know, it's it's just like building construction and and you know we use the terms uh, 
modern versus legacy construction. And a lot of those concepts translate into our furnishings, whereas, you know, things are lighter, um, thinner, and the, the lighter and thinner that something is, the less um, heat it takes to heat it up to the point where it's going to catch fire. And so, in my personal opinion, a lot of it is the makeup, you know, from a petroleum-based standpoint of the materials, and then just the fact that, you know, what a bookcase that may may have been made out of a heavier material and weighed several hundred pounds 20 years ago may weigh 30 pounds now, and it's built more like a, a matchstick structure that's, you know, engineered out of lighter weight material to be able to support the same weight. So when you get uh, when you increase the surface area and decrease the mass, then you're going to have fire spread that takes place faster. It sounds like we can blame some of it at least on IKEA. <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes cheap stuff, right? And we'll leave it there for now. Eric Dryman, thanks for being my guest today on Code 3. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sometimes the acronyms get to be pretty thick in the fire service. I'm sure you have your own pet peeves. But VEIS is an example of a simple one that does the job and can save lives. There's more about VEIS on our website, code3podcast.com slash VEIS. Take a look. And as always, if you got some value from this episode, pass it along. Tell someone else about the show. It may help them in the future. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.